We're going to continue. Last week we were talking about Father Abraham. You remember that little that church song when you was a kid, if you was in church growing up, Father Abraham had many sons. Clay, you going to come up and do the motions? <laughs> right hand, left hand, right foot, left foot, right? Nod your head, turn around. And you always wanted to make the, uh, the kids always wanted to get the adults turn around as much as they kid, could so they could see the adults fall over. And uh, we, we learned about how God uh, did an, uh, uh, an amazing thing for Abraham. He gave him a promise, and he fulfilled his promise in his old age to give him a son. And uh, we're going to continue this week talking about an unlimited God. This week, uh, this, the person that we're talking about is Joseph, and Joseph was Abraham's great-grandson. And so we see where Abraham and Sarah were struggling to understand God's will for their life and how God was going to do things in their life and bring them a son. And there was mistakes made and, you know, uh, uh, they had a son through Hagar named Ishmael, but that was not God's plan. Try to do it on their own. Well, this is the, this is the great-grandson of Abraham because Joseph was Jacob's son. Jacob was Isaac's son. And that's, if you remember, Isaac was the name of the child that the son that God gave to Abraham. Now, Joseph had a lot of brothers, and he was not the oldest, but he's one of the youngest. Uh, Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel, and uh, Joseph was born to Rachel. Now, Jacob loved Joseph more than he did his other sons. And if anybody has kids, you know that if you show love more to one child than you do another, and I have four, uh, you know, they don't like that. That's not something that they, they, they want. They all want their own love. But Jacob loved to show that. Uh, he made him a coat of many colors uh, that it would have been expensive and, and it would really stand out and it really was something different and something special. And so uh, the, the, the brothers just continually just would get matter. And matter. as a matter of fact, the Bible says they could not even say a kind word about their brother Joseph. Couldn't even say a kind word. That's how mad, that's how upset they were at Joseph. Now, maybe you have been overlooked before, or maybe somebody has treated uh, somebody else around you better than you, and I'm sure you've felt this, just like these brothers felt this, right? You've been a little bit aggravated, a little bit angry. Maybe it's in your job. You said, man, I work harder than anybody else around here, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. Eric uh, can attest to that up there. Uh, you know, Sometimes those things happen, and it gets us really angry, and it did do this to the brothers. It did it to the brothers, because it's just kind of in our human, sinful, carnal nature, our carnal nature. But things with the brothers, they didn't get better. Joseph had a dream, and things got worse, because this dream, Joseph should have probably just shut his mouth. In all reality, he should have shut his mouth and not said anything. Because it caused problems. Let's look in Genesis 37, 5 through 10. Genesis 37, 5 through 10. If you've got the app, you can open the app up and it'll pop up around on your phone there. Uh, if you've got your Bible, just turn to Genesis 37, 5 through 10. Through, through 10. And I think all the scriptures this morning uh, are from the uh, New Living Translation. So if you're just curious where those come from. Also on the back of your bulletin, there's a place you can, you can uh, uh, fill in the blank and follow along with the points. And, and write down any kind of notes that you may have. You may want to take home later and uh, uh, read on that. Just to let you know about that. And also the scripture verses are back there. So Genesis 37, 5 through 10 goes like this. One night Joseph had a dream and he told his brothers about it. And see, here's what it said. They hated him more than ever. 
And this is why. Listen to the dream, he said. Now, uh, Joseph here is about 17 years old. He said, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up. Your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king? Do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon, Joseph had another dream, and again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and the 11 stars bowed low before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? So remember this, Joseph was one of the youngest sons. And uh, if you've ever heard of the 12 tribes of Israel, he, he is one of those 12 tribes. The, this is because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So Joseph was, was one of the youngest sons here. And he is telling them, he's making a huge mistake. Because in that culture, the firstborn was the one in charge. And you definitely didn't have your dad bowing down to you. So this, this even, the, the, the dad that, he, that loved him so much even was like going, now wait a minute here. You're telling me what? Of course, the Bible goes on to say that, that uh, Jacob was curious or pondered in his mind what were these dreams really meaning. Uh, so, because you remember, Jacob had had some uh, times with God. He wrestled with the Lord, so he knew uh, the God. He knew God in, in, a, in a very deep and intimate way. The, one, the number one thing that I want to, the, the first thing, I should say the number one thing, but the first thing I want to talk to you about is the dream that God gives you does not always make sense. This dream didn't make any sense. And the dream that God gives you does not always make sense. And have, you may have had a dream like that before that just didn't make sense. You say, man, I got this dream, I want to do this, but I can't. Why? Because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, how could I do that? I mean, I, I, I I'm not smart enough, or I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, maybe I don't have enough of, uh, enough of training to do this, maybe I don't have a degree, maybe you're looking at a job and you're saying, man, I just believe God wants me to do this, but I, I just don't know. The dream doesn't make sense. Well, when Joseph said this and he told this dream that didn't make any sense, it led to such a hatred by the brothers that one day... They were out doing their work, and Joseph, Joseph's father says, hey, I want you to go check on them. I want you to go check on them. Well, this is the wrong thing for Jacob to be doing. You go check on your brothers and report back to me and tell me how everything's going, what's going on. So he goes out to do this, and the brothers saw an opportunity. You know what? We are so mad at this guy. We hate him so badly. We're getting rid of him right now. And originally, they just wanted to throw him into a pit and just let him die, but then they said, Hmm, wow, let's make some money. Let's sell him to these traders that are going to Egypt. He'll disappear. I mean, we'll never see him again, and then we'll, we'll also have some money. And, and so Joseph, this happens to Joseph. This really happens to Joseph. Now, I hope that you don't have any brothers or sisters that would do the same thing to you, you know, that they would just sell you because they hate you so badly. But this happened to Joseph. 
So when Joseph gets to Egypt, he sold a man named Potiphar, and, he, and Potiphar is the captain of, of Pharaoh's guard, a captain of the guard for Pharaoh. So he was a prominent man. He was somebody who, who had a lot of people that bowed down to him, who worshipped or, or who did what he said and because he, he was one of those kind of people. So in Genesis 39, 2 through 4, here's what it tells us. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything. He did as, uh, uh, everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. So as I said, everything, you know, look at this. You're just reading. Everything's going pretty good for Joseph, even though he's been sold. Now he's in charge of the entire household of Potiphar. He, he's, he's a known quantity, man. You know, I mean, everybody's looking at him going, man, this guy's smart. Look how he's blessed. And look what he does to, to Potiphar's house. And, and Potiphar notices this. So everything's going good. God's blessing him. What else could go wrong? But a woman. Right? But I'm talking about you women. I'm talking about a specific woman. A woman gets in his, a, a woman gets in his life and it's Potiphar's wife. Now, she had a crush on Joseph. He's a young man, and I'm sure he's good looking. And look how he's being blessed, and things are going great, and everything. And so Potiphar's wife wants to have an affair with Joseph. And you know what's sad is today a lot of a lot of it, people wouldn't think, well, whatever. You know, I mean, she she's the one who started it. I mean, he's not at fault. You know, if something happened, that I mean, what? It's not his fault. But you know. Joseph was a very godly person. He really loved the Lord. He really did. And what he didn't realize was that Potiphar's wife would cause him more problems. Because what did he do? He refused her. And he didn't just refuse her. He didn't just say, no, I'm sorry, no thank you. No, I mean, he's like, I'm getting out of this situation. I'm running he takes off so fast, she's got a hold of his cloak. She just strips it off of him as he's running away. And then, of course, if you've ever heard the story, what happens? He gets accused of trying to rape her. And in this process, this causes him to be thrown into prison. And so he went from being in charge of the household to all the way into prison. Think about this. He was Jacob's most loved son, and then he's sold as a slave. Then he's Potiphar's top man, doing a great job, living a, living a pretty decent life. And now, for nothing of his own accord, for nothing that he's done, he's been sold into prison. Second thing to remember here, to obey God does not mean everything will happen the way you want it. When you obey God does not mean that everything will happen the way you want you know, we're taught that in America, right? As Americans, we're told if we're Christians and we love the Lord, you know, we're highly blessed and favored of the Lord and all this kind of stuff. Yes, we are, but we have got it all wrong. We think that just because we're blessed that all these things are supposed to happen for us. All these good things are supposed to happen for us, but it doesn't always happen that way. So to obey God does not mean that everything will happen the way you want. Let me say this, even if it means that bad things will happen to you, things that make you uncomfortable or burden you, never go against God's commands. Never go against God's commands. Joseph didn't, even though it wasn't good for him, he was not 
going to go against God's commands. And another thing is, he, wasn't, he didn't want to hurt his, master's, his master himself. I mean, he had a lot of integrity, a lot of integrity. But sometimes you may say, oh, but God, he gave me this dream, and this is not God, then I should not be going through this. You ever, you ever done that? No, no, he gave me this dream, I'm supposed to do this right here. There's no reason I should be going through this. And then what happens? He's in prison, right? Well, what happens? Joseph is blessed by God, and he goes up the chain until eventually he's pretty much run the prison all the way. And, and God's blessed him. So one day these two guys were put in prison. They were the king's baker and cupbearer, or, or uh, the king's butler, and we may call him a butler today, but he's a, the king's cupbearer. So they were very prominent. And one day Joseph goes in and sees these fellows and realizes that something's on their minds. Something is bothering them. And comes to find out that both of them had a dream, and they didn't know what they meant. So the cupbearer's dream meant that he would be restored to his position, while the baker's dream meant that he was going to be executed. Now, because of interpreting the dream, he told the cupbearer, when you go before Pharaoh, when, when you get restored to that place, remember me, because I'm in here, I was falsely accused, I shouldn't be here. I think Joseph was probably pretty animated at this point. He was like, listen, I'm in a pit. I mean, prison was not like it is today. I mean, they did not have the NFL. They didn't have workout equipment and nice bathrooms and a nice cot, right? Prison was a hole in the ground. That was what a lot of these prisons were. They, they were, I mean, you did not go in there and kick back and relax, it was not a great place. He said, man, I'm here, and I didn't do anything wrong. So go tell Pharaoh as soon. And I, I think if I'm Joseph, I'm sitting there going, all right, this is my ticket out of here. Somehow or another, I'm going to find my way back home. My dad will take me back. Everything's going to be cool. You know, I know my brothers don't like me, but, hey, you know what? At least I can get back home. All right, this is, this is, this is, this is the way it's going to happen. This is his ticket out of prison, but... If you've heard the story, that doesn't happen. Not at all. First thing is the cupbearer gets up there and he totally forgets what Joseph did for him. Then you go, well, wait a minute. I mean, the guy interpreted his dream. How in the world does he forget what Joseph did for him? And to, I mean, the guy's around, the, around Pharaoh all the time. I mean, he's, you know, he's his cupbearer. He's... He's the one who takes the drinks and makes sure that uh, Pharaoh doesn't kill, you know, dead. It didn't, somebody hadn't poisoned him. Did any of this make sense? Does any of this dream that God gave Joseph a long time ago now, at this point, the thing, years have been passing, does any of it make sense that he would have this dream and, it would, and this would be happening? I would say, in my mind, no, it doesn't make sense. But with God, it makes sense. Even, even through this he was giving God the glory. He says, I can't interpret this dream for you. He told these two guys, I can't interpret this dream for you. Only God can give you the interpretation. Only God can do it. Maybe you've had a dream. Maybe you've got a dream right now, and you're saying, what in the world is taking so long? Why haven't I gotten there yet? Why haven't I gotten there yet? I'll tell you, when we felt God to uh, speak to us to plant a church, and when we was 10 years, old, 10 years ago or so, I was 27 years old, and we felt God was, wants to plant, and we had some friends, and 
we talked to him about it, and we were all excited, and we were going to plant this church and everything, and we were praying. And I'm, I'm telling you, we had some amazing things happen in our life. One night we were sitting up late, and we were, we were talking about it, and me and these friends and Christy and, and our two girls were real young. Our first two girls were still really young. And uh, we're sitting there, and, and me and one of my good friends, man, we were just kind of hashing it out. We were working out our salvation together kind of thing. You know, I mean, we were hashing out. We're trying to figure out what are we going to do? How is this going to happen? What should we be doing? And I left, and when we left, every time we left, we would all gather hands and we'd pray together. And so we began to, I said, you know, this time let's don't do that. Uh, Christy's, Christy's friend was sitting over in one, and my friend was over here and everything. So we're, we're, I said, I'm just going to pray right here, okay? So I prayed, and I said something in my prayer that was kind of funny. And uh, Christy starts, well, everybody kind of laughed a little bit, and, and it was good because it had been very tense. And Christy uh, began to laugh and laugh and just continued to laugh and laugh and laugh. And so my friend over here was like, what in the world's going on? And I knew what she was doing. The Holy Spirit had came on her, and she was just laughing and laughing and laughing. She could, I mean, there was no possible way she could have done it on her own because she needed to breathe. And she just kept on laughing. And then all of a sudden, the whole place, you could feel the power of God just come down that place. Just, And then Christy, Christy began to speak to us, and she was having a vision. And this vision was very amazing. And in this vision, she can tell you the whole story because she remembers these kind of things to the nth detail. But in this vision, she was with the children of Israel, and they were walking through the Red Sea. And she's, she's explaining, for 30 minutes, she's explaining this vision to us as she's having it while we're there. And Christy had never, before this time, had, had a vision. And she's explaining how she could see the fish in the water and the mist coming off the sea as they were walking through this thing. And in that time, you know, the, the one of the main things that we got from it was that, you know what? If God could part the Red Sea and you could walk through it with that much confidence, then he can figure out the rest of this story, where we're supposed to go, where we're supposed to plant. And we thought we would plant with this couple. We thought, we thought it was going to be all of us and we was going to do this. And we're still great friends, but they live in a, in a different city, uh, a, you know, a good hour away from here, and, that, and we're still great friends. But they're not a part of this church plant. They were a part of that moment but they're not a part of this church plant. Not because they they don't want to, but because God put them somewhere else. And their children's pastors in this church, they're doing an awesome job. That's one of the lessons that we learn from the life of Joseph. God gives the dream, and it's up to God to fulfill the dream. It's not up to us. See, it was two years later before Joseph came up, uh, Joseph's name came up before Pharaoh. Two years Let's look at this. That's 24 months, or we'll break it down some more, 730 days, or 17,520 hours, or if it was me, I'd be in there every minute thinking about it, so I'd thought about it in about a million, 51,200 minutes. That's the way it would have been for me. I mean, come on, God, what is going on? What have I done wrong? All I keep on doing is getting the bad stuff handed to me. And the third thing I want to tell you is God does not always follow our schedule. Sometimes we got a schedule, we say it's got to be done by this time. It's got to be done by this time. I thought we was going to plant a year, year and a half ago, uh, two years ago. It didn't happen. 
Because God is on his schedule, and God knows what he's doing. Sometimes we think we've got a schedule. And he, we, you know what? God's got his schedule. And so if you've got a dream and it hadn't happened, believe in God's schedule. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. But 10 years ago, I wouldn't have believed it would have taken me 10 years to plant a church. There's a lot of 27-year-olds planting churches today. But God knew a lot about me and knew I needed to mature, knew where I needed to, to be and what I needed to do to be able to plant uh, Unlimited Church today. So two years later, Pharaoh has a dream himself, and nobody can interpret it. And the cupbearer then, oh, my goodness, I forgot about this guy. I think if I'm the cupbearer, I'm probably going, ooh, man, I bet these guys ticked off. I totally forgot about him. <laughs> I told him I'd say something, but, hey, I'm saying something now. So Pharaoh says, send him to me. Send Joseph to me. So what happens? Joseph interprets this dream. Pharaoh puts him in charge of the whole country, and in less than 24 hours, God took Joseph from the pit, and he raised him up to be the prime minister of Egypt, or second only to Pharaoh. I mean, he's in charge. He, has, he can do whatever he wants because Pharaoh says, hey, you can do it. You can do it. You have my authority. Now go do it. Joseph, he was sold into slavery. He was put in prison falsely. He was forgot about when he interpreted dreams. And then he was promoted to second in command only to Pharaoh. Now, who in the world would ever believe that? If I told you today there's somebody in prison and one day they're going to be the president of the United States, you'd be like, that can't happen. That is impossible. It could never happen. But we know that it can. Because with an unlimited God, the word says, all things are possible. Everything is possible with an unlimited God. So number four, trust God to fulfill the dream he has given you. Trust God to fulfill the dream he has given you. You got that? Come on. Trust him. It's hard. But trust God to fulfill this dream he has given you. Don't give up on the dream that God has given you. It's easier to give up on the dream and say, I can't go any further. But trust God. If he gave you, the, gave you that, God has no limits. That is, what, that is what our mission statement boils down to. That if we know God, there are no limits. So trust him. Believe that he is going to do what he says he's going to do. Don't stop trusting in it. Trust in him. Listen to him. Obey him. Follow him. Exalt him and lift him up. Believe in him. There's no way Joseph could lead this country when he was 17 years old. Think about it. No way. But God knew exactly what Joseph needed to be to be the leader of that country. Just like me, 27 years ago, I was not mature enough to be at a point to, to plant a church. As much as I wanted to, as much as my heart wanted to, I was not at that point. God knew that. God knew the exact timing to fulfill the dream God had given to Joseph. And because of that timing, he saved not only the Egyptians, but his whole family. And if you don't remember the rest of the story, or have never heard it, the dream he interpreted said there would be seven years of abundance followed with seven years of famine. Joseph was put in charge of making the country ready for the seven years of famine. And during this time, after those seven years, when the famine hit, Joseph's brothers had to come 
to Egypt to buy food. And their story's too long to give it to you this morning, so read it, go home and read it. But they were united. They were reunited with the family. And because of Joseph, because he continued to believe in the God that gave him the dream, he saved not only the Egyptians, but he saved his family from starvation. And because Joseph continued to believe and trust, and he ran away from Potiphar's wife that day because he was a godly man full of integrity, today we have the Jews. Because of that, we have the Jews. Through them, the salvation, the Jews, through them comes the salvation through Jesus Christ. So we have Jesus because Joseph lived as a godly man and continued to trust God when the dream didn't always look like it was going to happen. Towards the end of his life, Joseph showed he understood that all he went through was God's plan. In Genesis 50, 20, in Genesis 50, 20, this is what he said to his brothers. You intended harm for me, but I understand this. God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Isn't that just amazing? I know it'd be hard for me. If when I got to that point, I don't know, man. You're a ruler. He could have killed his brothers. He could have had them all executed right there. But he says, you know what? No, no, no. I know that what happened to me was intended for good. And I want to tell you something. Some of you have had some bad things going in your life. But let me tell you something. God intends it for good for you. He doesn't intend it for bad. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that he knows the plans that he has for you. Plans to prosper and not to harm. Plans to give you a hope and give you a future. That's what he wants to do. He intends for it. I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to be lifted up in your spirit this morning to say, you know what? God, even though these things have happened, you intend good things to happen because of it. Maybe you intend for someone to be saved because the first Sunday we were here, the first Sunday we was here, we had five people say that they wanted to give their life to the Lord. Five people that wanted to give their life to the Lord. And I told you, I think it was last week, the Lord has spoke to me and said, if only one person comes to salvation, then the planting unlimited church was worth it all. And that morning, five people. And it's going to be more than that. It's going to be more than that as we reach out to people. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your mind. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Will you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I don't know. 